Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Call to live. That means call to live the life you were created to live. So many of us find ourselves living other people's lives and other people's expectations, but God has something uniquely designed for each and every one of us. So here's what you do. Live the life you were created to live. And then in a world filled with so much hate, and mean-spiritedness and warfare, that second clause, love beyond the limits of our prejudices. That means whatever prejudice you have and you think you can draw a boundary, love requires you to go beyond the boundary and really practice the art of love. And then lastly, commission to serve. That service is really what we, it's almost what we owe. It's a depth, depth of gratitude to God. So here at FCBC, how do we say it? We live, we love, we serve. Listen, I want to just lift up a passage of scripture today. And I won't be long because this has already been an amazing day. And uh, in the book of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, I want to read verse 39. 1 Samuel 17, verse 39. Here's how it reads. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in vain to walk. For he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I am not used to them. So David removed them. I want to read the next verse, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Come on, beloved, let's pray. God, we thank you and we honor you on this day. For God, our living, our breathing today is a testimony that not only are you mindful of us, but your grace is still sufficient, God. Your mercy still endures and your love still covers. God, you've been already moving. You've been already having your way. Just continue, oh God, to allow that spirit to move in this space and in this place, God. We love you and we're so grateful but after everything, you're still mindful of us and that we do not take lightly, God. So continue to move, continue to have your way and we will play our position and follow your lead. This is our prayer. In your name we pray, amen. Good, remain standing. Let me just read one verse. First Samuel 17, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. 
His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Do me a favor. Just turn to your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, we can do hard things. Come on, tell your other neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, we can do hard things. Now put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you take your seat. We can do hard things. There is a book called, entitled, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. She begins her book with a quote from a speech given by President Roosevelt in 1923 at the Sorbonne in France. That speech has come to be known as the man in the arena. And Brene Brown begins her book, Daring Greatly, with this quote. I'm going to read the direct quote. It does not have inclusive language, but I will read it because it is quite profound. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause? who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails by daring greatly. Brene Brown makes it clear that daring greatly is not about winning or losing the battle, winning or losing the struggle. Daring greatly is about showing up and having the courage to keep on showing up in life, no matter what the situation, no matter what the condition, no matter what the circumstance. Daring greatly, again, is not about whether you succeed in which you are going after, whether everything falls into place. She says it is not a matter of everything being perfect or you being bulletproof, but there comes a moment in your life where you have to make the decision that no matter what is going on, that you will show up and keep on showing up to honor who you are and who God has called you to be, that that is where victory is won, not in the outcome, even though so much of what we do is connected to the outcome, but it's whether or not you understand that the first test, the first battle, is whether or not you can just honor the assignment and show up in the spaces and places that God is leading you. I got to say that because sometimes when we seek to honor God's assignment and honor the call in our life, we think before we can dare greatly, we have to have absolute certainty or clarity about what God wants to do in our life. But I've learned in my own journey that you don't always get the blueprint before the first step. You don't always see the destination without having to move. That every now and again, you have to make up in your mind, I am going to press forward no matter what obstacles rise up because nothing that I can face can stop me from where God has me going. Is there anybody in here this day who can testify that there will be those moments where you have to show up in ways to honor the assignment because showing up is the first battle that you have to overcome. 
If you understand that, you understand that sometimes showing up takes all the strength and energy you can muster. That sometimes showing up means you have learned how to sacrifice and put some things to the side and pick up some new things. When you know about the beauty and joy of showing up, because you know this, that sometimes showing up took everything you had just to get to a place where you get to a moment where you don't necessarily look for the outcome, but you see the victory because you got up this morning and made your way into the spaces that God has been leading you. So showing up it's the beginning of the season of transformation. This scene in scripture is about David showing up. Now, most of us who may have grown up in church, or maybe not, we know what scene may be coming next after the scriptures I read. It is the classic fight of David and Goliath. David, the young man fighting the giant Goliath. He shows up in this season. But it's not that he shows up. It is the journey, the path to getting to the point where he can show up for the next season in his life. Those of us who know this story, who know this scene, knows that David is going to beat and defeat Goliath. But sometimes people don't know the path to the victory you've taken to get where you are. That if they understood the path, they would even understand even more how when you get to the place of arrival, people don't always understand the nature of your celebration because they did not see the nature of your struggle. They did not see what you had to go through to get to that point. David's story is quite interesting because here's how it begins. Let me give you the cliff notes version. David is the youngest of his brothers. He's the one who is most overlooked and not being paid attention to not even being paid attention by his father. He goes through his household virtually unseen. No one in his household, no one among his brothers and fathers, they don't see his gifts, they don't see his potential, they don't see his possibility. All they know is that his responsibility is to take care of the sheep. And what I got to tell somebody today is that there may be moments in your journey where you are clear maybe about where God is calling you, but you feel so unseen. And so nobody fully sees, understands who you are, and you know you have so much to offer. But what I have to remind you is this, that if there are those around you who do not see you, that does not mean that God's eyes are not on you. Just because others don't see who, what God is doing in your life doesn't mean that God does not see you. You got to ask yourself a question. What is more important in my journey to know that God sees me or that other people see me? And the deep thing about that is that some of the people who see you don't really see you. They only see themselves. They're looking for you to be a reflection of who they are so they can continue among their merry way. But they don't always see the fullness of who you are. And you will waste valuable energy trying to convince people why they should take note of you. No, that will lead you down a path of frustration, narcissism, and deep insecurity. No, if you know that God sees you, that is all that honestly matters and that you know how to once show up for yourself and then honor the call that God has placed on your life. Overlooked by his brothers. But then God sees them. I'm going to give you the fast version. God sends a prophet to Jesse's house, who is David's father. He sends the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house, and he tells the prophet that there in Jesse's house is the next king of Israel. The first king ain't working out so good, and God has to now move on to the next king. And God sends 
Samuel to Jesse's house. Samuel comes into the house. You may know the story. This is a good Sunday school story. Samuel comes into the house and he makes the assumption when he sees the older brother, he looked regal, statuesque. He looked like a warrior. He looked like he would be kingly. And in his mind, he tells God, surely this is the one. God says, no, don't think because you see something, you see like I see it. He says, you look with your eyes. I search the heart. And that's where I understand who people are. God says, I search the heart. And so God bypasses all the other sons. Seven sons come before the prophet. God doesn't tell Samuel to anoint one of them. And then Samuel asks the father, is there any more sons that you have? Here's Jesse's answer. Yeah, the little one. He's like the runt of the litter. He's in the backyard keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, I will not leave until I see him. When David walks into the house, Samuel starts to feel something and sense something. And God says, this is the one. He anoints him to be the next king of Israel. But check it out. He anoints him to be the next king of Israel in front of people who didn't see him. He's anointed to be the next king of Israel in front of his brothers and father who did not acknowledge his gifts. And yet in the presence of those who could not see, God forces them to see what he's doing to the one that they refuse to look at and honor the nature of who he was. David is anointed, but here's the thing. He's anointed, but it's not time for him to be king. God has made it clear this is the next king, but it ain't time yet. And he lives now with this anointing of God upon his life, but not the season of his elevation. I hope you catch this. It is clear that God is going to use him. He has been anointed to lead the people. But there's a difference between being anointed for a position and occupying the thing you were anointed from. That when God anoints him, it is God's way of saying, this is the one who I will use. This is the one who will do a great work. This is the man after my own heart. But it's not time yet for the elevation. And I need you to hear that. Because sometimes we think that when God anoints, then the elevation is next. When God calls, then the next season, next step is the elevation. No, sometimes after God makes it clear what you're going to do and what God is going to do with you, comes a season where you must journey, grow, and learn. I'm going to say it again. You got to journey, grow, and learn. Because just because you've been appointed for it or anointed for it doesn't mean your season of appointment has come. Do you know how many of us live every day with the knowledge that God has something great for us, but then we must also live with the reality that it might not be time yet. So what do you do in the interim? You grow, you learn, you expand. You grow, you learn, you expand until it's the right time. You grow, you show up, you learn, you expand. You continue to grow as a human being until your anointing and the time of your elevation meet. But guess what? By the time you're elevated, what have you done? You've grown. You've learned, you've expanded to become just what God needs in that season. Why? Because sometimes when God calls you, doesn't mean you're ready. And you have to now let your calling match the time of readiness. But the time of readiness is connected to your growing, your learning, and your expanding. It is not the time to say, God, I need you to hurry up. It is not the time when you begin to wonder and doubt whether or not I was actually called. Because just because you don't see the elevation doesn't mean that God has already fixed the space for you. Now, let me say that one more time so you can get that. Can you imagine that when God gives you an assignment, God then possibly does two things. He prepares you and he prepares the space. He prepares you 
And God prepares the space for you. That's why it's about God's timing. What would it look like to be unprepared in the right space? What would it look like to be prepared but out of place? That's why it's a moment where you have to honor completely what God is doing. Now watch this, and I hope you'll get this. David is anointed, but he doesn't stop serving his father in the backyard. He's anointed, and someone sees his gifts, and they tell the king, and King Saul is the one who he will be replacing, but King Saul also got some issues. He goes into fits and has these moments where he loses his mind, and they told him there's this young boy in Jesse's house who knows how to play the harp. We think if he comes and plays for you, you'll feel better. Now watch this. He's been anointed king. He has the skills of a shepherd. And clearly he also has the skills of a musician. He now goes to Saul. He begins to play. And whenever Saul has these fits, these rages, they call David to play. But watch this. He's still not in position yet, but still honoring other assignments along the way. He's still taking care of the sheep. He's still now honoring King Saul, and yet he walks with this anointing and he serves the person he's actually going to replace. Oh God, you're going to get that in a second. He honors the assignment by honoring what God is calling him to do along the journey. He goes from his father's pasture, taking care of the sheep. He goes to the king's court to play for the king. He goes between the person he'll replace and the person who did not see him. His whole life until that moment is that. And then one day, his father tells him, your brothers are down at the front line in the fight against the Philistines. Go and take them some bread, take them some, some supplies. And then watch this. He said, let me know how they're faring. But watch this. He's the king, the next king anointed. But you got to hear this just because he knows where he's going doesn't mean he loses a sense of humility for those around him. You need to understand this. That even though you know and believe in your heart, God has called you for something significant. I'm going to say it again. Don't neglect the journey along the way to the elevation. And don't neglect the assignments along the way. Because everything is preparing you for that moment where you begin to elevate into your new season. Watch it. He's taking care of the sheep. He's going to help. Saul when he has fits and now he's honoring another assignment to go down to the front lines of the fight with the Philistines and check on his brothers he gets down there and he hears of the taunting from this giant Goliath and how Israel the mighty warriors of Israel are shook by this giant no one wants to fight and the Goliath the giant challenges Israel if you send someone from among your ranks to fight me and if I lose, we will serve you. But if your person loses, you all will serve us. This is what Goliath is challenging. And no one in Israel wants to take him up on the challenge. Even despite the fact that King Saul, who David will replace, has already said that the man who defeats Goliath will be taken care of. And on top of that, he says, my daughter will become their wife. And none of that was enough to move not one person to fight Goliath. But David hears the taunts. And when others are afraid to move forward, the young man, the shepherd, the musician, the one obedient to the assignments in between anointing and elevation, hears the taunts of the giant. And he's confused because how is it that we claim to trust God but afraid of the next giant that shows up? How is it we love to say we honor God but afraid of a giant 
And that really speaks to something that we go through. Isn't it amazing how every time you can look back over your life and you can declare, look, God brought me through. God brought me out. God made a way. But when that new challenge rises, you forget everything that God has done. And all you do is get overtaken by the current issue you're wrestling through. No. David says this. He says, I will do what no one else will do. I will do the untrained shepherd slash musician. I will fight the giant. This is a story we learned as a young person growing up in Sunday school, but it is an amazing story. Because if you are a child, and really that's what David was, what in the world would make anyone take you seriously if you want to go fight this giant? And David says, I'm going to do it. And his rationale makes sense. It's the kind of rationale that should enable us to handle when things begin to go awry in our life. David relied on his experience with God to fortify his confidence in the moment. I want you to hear that. He allowed his experience with God to fortify his confidence in the moment. I'm going to say it again. He allowed his experience with God to fortify him in the current moment. What good is it to have testimonies you don't rely on? What good is it to talk about what God has done, but don't trust it for the next season? What good is it to honor and say, God has never left me, God has kept me. But when you get your back against the wall to all of a sudden forget, no, David says, I come here with experience. But can I tell you, David ain't the only one. Each and every one of us that are in here today come here with a background, an experience, a resume of all that God has done in our lives. That's why no one in this sanctuary ought to have to inspire you to honor God and inspire you to celebrate God. Why? Because when you entered those doors today, you came in here with a track record. You came in here with experiences. You came in here knowing in your heart, I've already seen God move in my life. I've already seen God work in my life. And this moment, this season, or this giant doesn't change what I know in my heart. That means you walk with a confidence because you've already seen God work. That's why the song is so powerful. You are more than able. I've seen your work, God. I know there's somebody here who can say, I've seen your work, God. I've seen you move in my life. I've seen you rectify my heart. I've seen you keep my mind when I thought I was losing it. God, I've seen you work. And that experience of seeing you work is what makes me stand tall in the face of whatever comes my way. Why? Because I've seen God work. Is anybody in here this afternoon who can testify that you've seen God work? If I look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, I've seen my work. I've seen God work. And how do you know? Because I wouldn't be here if God had not been working. I couldn't lift up my hands if God was not working. I could not shout the way I shout if God had not been working. Sometimes, here's the next piece. I got to give this to you. I'm going to be done in a second. When you hear God clearly, when God makes a promise, don't then go looking for the fulfillment immediately. Because sometimes God needs to see, do you believe what you heard? And here it is. Not only do you believe what you heard, but can you act on what you believe? I don't see it, but I know what you said, God. I don't understand it, 
but I know as you said. But what I will do in this moment is speak as though it is, even though I don't necessarily see it. I will honor what you say by putting my body in alignment with my beliefs. You caught that? When you put your body in alignment with your beliefs, that means your action is the overflow of what's already happening on the inside. So if you believe in faith, you begin to act like it. If you trust God, you begin to act like it. If you've seen God work, you begin to act like it. That means that every time, again, you face a new enemy, act like you know what God has already done. David said, no, nah. when I was out there in my daddy's backyard, every now and again, a lion or a bear would show up trying to kill what I'm protecting and looking at. And here's what the little David said. The young man, not a warrior. He said, every time the lion would come or the bear would come and take the sheep, look what David said. I would wrestle the sheep out of the mouth of the bear and from the hand of the lion. Little David said that if I can handle bears and lions, that this giant, I'm looking at will not stand a chance. In other words, every time you have a victory, it grows you in your confidence and it elevates your strength. And you can say, listen, the reason why I can stand here now is because what God has already brought me through. What God has already done in my life. You mean the difference between you thriving or not is memory? That the thing that allows me to trust in this season is memory. The thing that allows me to move gracefully through turbulent times is memory. The thing that allows me to stand boldly when everyone else around me is shrinking is memory. The thing that allows me to keep these feet planted even when the ground is shaking beneath me is memory. Can I get churchy for a second? God has brought me too far to leave me at this moment. And if God has kept me all this time, guess what? He's going to keep on keeping me. That's what keeps me in my mind. I have come too far. I've been through too much. I had to climb through so much hell and so much turmoil. And you've had to do the same thing to get to where you are. If everybody knew your journey, they won't be in a hurry trying to be like you. If everybody knew what you've gone through, they won't be struggling to try to act like you. If they had to climb through the stuff you had to climb through. If they had to experience God having to reach through the muck and the mess to raise you up, then they wouldn't try to do it. I tell people, you want my glory, but you don't want the bloodiness of it all. You want the glory, but you don't want the messiness of it all. You want the glitz and the glamour, but you don't want those dark nights where I had to cry myself to sleep, where I thought I would lose my mind, when I didn't want to keep on living. You see me now on the mountain, but if you are with me in the valley, I need to know, can you hang with me then? Hold no, on, let me pause for a second. Maybe the litmus test for your friendship are not the mountaintop associates. Maybe the litmus test is the valley companions. Who was there with you when no one else was around? Who was calling and checking on you when you felt alone? Who were the people encouraging you to keep on moving? Because maybe the valley companions helped shape what friendship ought to look like. You know why? Because when you succeed, everybody want to throw a party. You know how sometimes folk understand why you're not celebrating. You ever had that? You ever had folk around you throw a party for you and then ask you, what's wrong? Because everybody else having a good time at your party. You're not. And they think somehow something is off. I've been there. And someone once asked me when we had a party after I got out of the hospital in eight weeks 
on an IV at the party. We were celebrating. And I wasn't very celebratory, not because I wasn't happy. Because in those moments, I was sitting there with everyone dancing and celebrating. And I was having my own little moment. God, thank you for keeping me. It wasn't a moment of mourning. It was a moment of celebratory reflection. I started thinking of all the reasons that I couldn't have been here. But God kept me. That's why you have experiences with God. Your experiences of breakthrough are not just for the moment. It's to fortify you for the future because you don't know what's on the way. David said, listen, God was with me then and God is with me now. And here's what the text said. The, 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 the king tried to give him his stuff. I'm not going to talk about this. The king tried to give David his weapons. Now, now watch this. The king wasn't ready to fight nobody. But he's like, take my stuff. Brother, if it ain't working for you, why should I feel confident it's going to work for me? And David said, I can't move in your stuff. It's your stuff. It's not my stuff. He said, watch this. Let me take off what you tried to give me. Oh, God, I hope you can get that today. Let me remove what you gave me. Let me remove what you tried to put on me to do what you were afraid to do. You know how there are people, I've learned this, I'm sorry, but I've learned this. There are folk who will try to add the bags to your life because they can't handle where you're going. Oh no, watch this. They think somehow they can slow you down from getting where God wants you to be, but you got to remind them, nah, nah, here's, I'm wise enough and have lived long enough for God is I trust what God has given me this far. I'm not going to change up just because you're afraid. I'm going to keep on trusting and keep on leaning. And this is what David said. David takes off what Saul tried to give him. And then he said, because I couldn't move with your stuff. I couldn't fight with your stuff. It is for you. He said, I'm going to go into this fight with what I came here with. He said, I got my slingshot. I'm going to get a few stones and we're going to keep it moving in this moment. You hear this? David said, what God has given me before now, I ain't going to put it down and change up because things look different. And he moves forward. And here's the line. It said he took his slingshot and he got five smooth stones. And here's the line. He drew near to the giant. But that's what I want to stop with today. I'm done. Because when you are daring greatly, not only do you show up, but your mind is made up. It doesn't say David hesitated. He moved forward. He showed up. And then he made up his mind that the experience with God was enough to fortify him to fight this next foe. He showed up. And then he made up his mind to go down. He dared greatly. The thing was, David never believed he would lose because he believed in who he served. And here's the part you got to get, beloved. When David went down to the valley to fight Goliath, no one else had done this before. No one had fought the giant before. He's the first one. In other words, there's no blueprint for this. Okay, you didn't get that part. I grew up in New York at a time where it actually did snow a lot. It ain't snowing that much in New York. And when I was a kid, when the snow was high on Long Island, and Lou knows about that, the snow would get high on Long Island because we would get all the drifts, we would need the water. 
And when you had to walk to school, because there's also the days where it seemed like they would never close school unless it was five feet of snow. And you would have to walk to school, put on your snow boots. The problem is when you were a little kid, your snow boots never went high enough to stop your pants from being wet. But what we used to do, watch this, is we walked in the snow because we didn't want to get our clothes wet. We were trying to stay fresh. We would then walk in the footprints of those who walked before us. Should have catch this. You ever did that? You would step in the footprints already there that were already made. So you already had a path made for you. All you had to do was step in the footprints. Here's what I discovered, side. There's some people whose lives are amazing because they stepped in the footprints by those who went that way before. That's what you call standing on the shoulders of giants. And that is something when there's other people who've paved the way for you to walk in and you're actually walking in their footprints. But then there's another breed of people. It's not the ones who just walk in the footprints. It's those who make the footprints because there are some places and spaces that God leads you where you got to make the footprints. You don't walk in them. Y'all not hearing this today. That sometimes the assignment God has given you is so hard because you have to make the path, not follow the path. That that assignment is so difficult because you are the one who will lay out the footprints for others who will come behind you. And you need to understand that when you're the one who make the footprints, it's always harder. It's always tougher. There are always more challenges. There are always more obstacles. But when you know you are on your way somewhere, you don't necessarily give more of the challenges, more of your time. I hope I'm helping somebody here today. Because what I believe in my heart is I'm talking to a room full of people who've learned how to make some footprints and not just walk in the path. That's why your call seems so different. That's why you can't really talk to some folk about your assignment because they don't understand what it means to make the footprints for others to walk through. Can I tell you, when God called Abraham, no one else had done what Abraham had done. He had to do what? Make the footprints. When God called Moses and told Moses to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, there were no footprints already made to Egypt. Moses had to make those footprints. When Daniel, tell me what was the blueprint for going into a lion's den. That that path made to that den were footprints that he made. Those three Hebrew boys, no one had gone into that fiery furnace before them. Turned up, he, they had to make the footprints. Maybe you got to remind yourself when God is telling you your assignment is to make the path for others to walk down. You know what you have to remind yourself of? Here it is. I can do hard things. Beloved, we can do hard things. You think FCBCLA is an easy thing? But we can do hard things. Your life has been filled with challenges, but you're an overcomer. Why? Because you can do hard things. And can I add this to it? When you're making that path like David made that path down to the enemy, here's what you know. Challenges will come. Obstacles will come. There'll be people who tried to stop you like David's three brothers when he came down. They told him to go back home. Why was he there? There will always be people who try to talk you out of your greatness. But you got to make up in your mind, I'm making a path. 
in my assignment is unique. And, and the uniqueness of my assignment is why sometimes it's so challenging. I know there are those moments where you say, God, another tough assignment? You ask God, when, when will it get easier? You haven't asked that to God? Will you say, I'm tired of the path I've been on? You cry out to God sometimes, can I just get a reprieve? Why, why is every assignment so tough? Why, why do you always get this particular assignment? And every now and again, you, you got to remind yourself who you are. When was the last time in the face of that challenging assignment you said that if God gave it to me, then I was built for it? That changes how you face the next season of elevation. Notice that. Because that elevation is, does not come without challenge. It does not come without obstacles. But not only were you built for this, but you can do hard things. I mentioned that last night, and, and I know she won't mind, but with Charday, who's one of the members and volunteers in L.A., she was like, Pastor Mike, it's amazing you're talking about this. She said, I went away this summer back home to St. Louis to decompress. It was in the middle of a strike. She's a writer. She said she was journaling one day and she showed me. She ain't showed me all her journals. She just showed me part of them. <laughs> and, 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 and she said this, I can do extraordinarily, and I believe these words, I can do extraordinarily difficult things. And then here's a piece. She said it to me as she's reading it. And I was reading it as she was saying it. I was being nosy. And it said, you know, I can do extraordinarily difficult things. And I said, Sade, that ain't the whole sentence. She had dot, 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 well. Okay. I can do extraordinarily difficult things. Pause. Well. You were built for this season. You were built for this moment. And I know it might not feel like it because of the extraordinary difficulty you're in. But beloved, you can do hard things. Your living, your breathing is a testimony to that. You've always been able to do hard things. You just didn't always know how to give yourself credit. But you can do hard things. But when you come through, you can look back over those extraordinarily difficult things and say, God, thank you. Because those moments molded me into who I am right now. Do me a favor, but just stand on your feet today. We're going to pray and then we're going to get out of here. But I want those of us right now, and we often do this, but it's important. Maybe this message spoke to you because you're in that season when you're facing those hard things. Plans are not working out. Things seem like they're falling apart. But the truth is, it doesn't really signal anything is off. It just means this is your season of growth. But if you're here today and you're in that space 
where it seems like this moment has been extraordinarily hard. Hard. I want you to come up here, beloved. Come. Come down here today so we can talk to God together. Don't wait to see who's going to come for prayer. You come because you know what you've been in. No one knows but you the extraordinary difficulty of this season. And here's the thing. I know this because I've seen it. We, we oftentimes feel like we have to perform for our friends and perform for family. A lot of the times our performance is because we don't always feel supported, right? So because we don't always feel supported, here's a deep thing. It doesn't mean that support is not present. Sometimes what we're in is so intense that we don't even see the support. And we begin to wonder, does anyone actually pay attention? Does anyone actually see? But can I tell you this? I started this sermon with this. God sees. And then here's what I learned. In these extraordinarily difficult seasons where God sees, here's what your posture has to be. Be open to what God is about to do. Because you can't cry out to God and then tell God what the help needs to look like. You've got to be open to how it comes and when it comes. But what it comes to do is not to replace you. It comes to assist you. Why? Because you can already do hard things. You've shown it before. You've come through it before. And you will do it again. Because you were built to handle hard things. You were built to handle hard things. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your words today, oh God. Because sometimes, oh God, we feel as though we are alone in these difficult seasons. And God, there are those times where we sometimes cry out to you because, God, it seems like every assignment you give is hard. But sometimes we got to realize that God trusts us with trouble. God trusts us with those difficult assignments because God knows sometimes what we're afraid to honor because of our fears, because of our insecurities. God knows we can handle these moments and we were built for these seasons. How do we know that? Because we have a track record with God. We've already experienced victory on top of victory and this next season will be no different. And that we stand on and believe. God, thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. God, thank you for keeping us and sustaining us. God, thank you for holding us in ways, even in those seasons we didn't want to be held. God, thank you. Thank you. And God, if nothing else, thank you for this reminder that sometimes, oh God, when we feel as though we can't handle it, when we feel as though we are weak, when we feel as though we are strong, oh God, there are those moments we cry out to you for strength. But God, I thank you in those moments when I cried out to you for strength, you didn't give me strength. You reminded me how strong I already am. 
So God, thank you for the reminder right now that we're stronger than we could imagine and wiser than we could ever know. You've been building our spiritual muscles for a long time. And for that, oh God, we say thank you. Now, oh God, we will leave this place filled with joy and excitement about what you will do in this place. Thank you. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again.